We're in our series called Afterglow, and each week what we've been doing is we've been pulling up a chair, listening in to the last words that Jesus gives to his disciples. And the night before he's arrested, and it's a very intimate setting. We're pulling up a chair in this very intimate setting. Now, if you've noticed in our previous series, each series we've been walking through up until this point in the Gospel of John, if you've noticed this, Jesus has spent a lot of time talking to people who are skeptical about who he's claiming that he is. And in this series, he isn't doing that anymore. Because what he's doing is he's in this closed, intimate setting with his trusted friends, his disciples, his followers, people who are already Christians. So if you're skeptical of Christianity, you're going to find yourself listening in to Jesus's words to his disciples, to Christians today. And I want to encourage you to listen in because here's why. A lot of people who are skeptical of Christianity today are skeptical because of Christians that they have met. And if you will listen in to the words of Jesus, what you're going to find is that your problem is not as much with Christianity, but with Christians. Because here's the thing about us Christians. We never seem to be able to live the way our Savior is telling us to live. And that's why we're Christians anyways, because we're admitting we can't live the way he's telling us to live. So today what we're going to see is that Jesus calls the Christian out on an adventure, out on a mission. And I would say that at the heart of being human, both Christian and skeptic alike, we have this deep longing for an adventure. And it is a longing that is there because we are meant to go on an adventure because it is the story that God has written for us. Now, if you watch, if you watch movies, if you read stories what you're going to find is that there's a formula to almost every story, and it usually goes something like this. There's a guy or girl, normal person, and they're called out on this adventure, but they refuse to go. They don't want to walk out the door, but then finally something gets them out the door to go out on this mission, to go out on this adventure, and along the way, things get difficult. And then when they're about to finally accomplish this mission, things get impossible. And it looks like all hope is lost. Everybody's ready to just give up. But then through fate, through determination, and through talent, they accomplish the mission. Yay, it happens. It works. This is the formula that we always see. Why are we seeing this formula over and over and over again? Because deep down we know that that is a story that God has made for us us. But here's what has happened. There is a king in our area. The king's name is Comfort, and we have chased Comfort over and over and over again, and here's what we keep doing. We keep ignoring this great adventure that God has called us on because we keep bowing over and over again to the God of comfort, to the king of comfort. So what we want to do today is we want to embrace the adventure that God has called us onto, into, the mission that he sent us into. So 
John 17. This is Jesus's prayer. These are all his words, and this is his prayer for Christians even today. Here it is, 6 through 19. Jesus says, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. He's talking to his father. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you, for I have come for I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, they, that they may be one even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except for the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you that these things I speak in the world, that they may have joy in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. Okay, watch what Jesus has just done here. In verse 19, he says that we are sanctified in truth. So to be sanctified in something means to be set apart as holy. To be sanctified, it means to be made holy, which means to be set apart. So the Christian says here, the Christian has been set apart for something, has been set apart for a mission. And the question is, what is it? The story goes like, here's how it goes for you. You are in the world. The Christian is in the world. You are in the world, but Jesus rescues you up out of the world, but then immediately sends you right back into the world for an adventure and to accomplish some mission. So the Latin word, for sent is missio, where we get our word mission. We have been rescued for a mission. Now, here's how I want you to think about this. Let's say, imagine you are a prisoner of war. You have been captured. And as a prisoner of war, in a sense, the prison owns you. You are confined to it. You are in chains. You can't escape. The prison, in a sense, is holding onto you. You are of the prison. But then this mysterious rescuer comes in and he comes into this prison and he breaks your chains and he rescues you. So now you've been rescued, which means you are no longer of the prison anymore. The prison no longer owns you. It no longer defines you. You have been set free from it. So then this mysterious rescuer gives you an ax and he says, now I want you to go break the chains of all of the other people that are in the prison that you can find. Go break everyone else out. So you are now free in this prison, but you don't leave because you have a great mission and adventure to go out into in this prison. You 
Here's what that means for you. You can do something that is lasting. You can meet a great need. There is a great purpose for you in this prison because there are people who are confined, who are owned by this prison. They are of the prison. And Jesus says, now take the axe and go and set them free. Set apart, you're in the prison, but set apart from the prisoners so that you can set the prisoners free. Do you see that? So you're called on this adventure of finding prisoners and freeing them. And it's an important adventure, but it's also a dangerous adventure, and it requires bravery because the deal is you could leave at any moment. But the rescuing king has called you to make some rescues happen. Now, all I want to say is don't run out of the prison. Live into the adventure that you've been called into. If you are a Christian, listen, if you are a Christian and your life doesn't feel like an adventure, every single day you wake up in the morning and you say, I'm on an adventure today. If you aren't saying that, then you aren't listening to the calling. You aren't hearing the adventure that's being placed before you that you're being called into. You're chasing, I mean, come on, we're doing it all the time. We're chasing after this comfort that's keeping us away from the adventure. We're closing the door to it. What if, Lord of the Rings, what if Frodo never left the Shire? What if Luke Skywalker didn't leave his home? What if Wonder Woman didn't leave her home? What if Superman went back home? What if Superman, what if the story of Superman was him sitting on his couch eating Superman ice cream and getting fat? Nobody wants to read that story. Nobody wants to watch that movie. (laughs) God has called us to leave the couch. You know, a lot of counselors, what they do, what they do for therapy for people, if somebody is depressed and if somebody feels like they don't have purpose in life, you know what they tell them to do? They say, go and find a purpose that is greater than yourself. Go find a way to serve people so you can get the attention off of yourself. It's, a therapeutic, it's therapeutic in a way, and it works to a certain degree, but then here's what happens. The person realizes, ah, oh, this is in vain because they're not seeing prisoners set free. But if we get linked up with this purpose, this adventure, this mission that God has called us to, then purpose begins to flood into your life. And you start to realize, wow, this is really important what God has called me to do. There's a great need and I can make a great impact. But you got to believe that that's true. If you would just see the earth, I mean, if you would see the urgency of what this is saying, that we are sent into the world on a mission, if you will see that, purpose will flood into your life. So then we ask, what is then this purpose that we have been called to? What are we trying to accomplish on this great adventure? Well, last week we saw We were looking at the glory. I mean, it was beautiful. I thought it was beautiful. I don't know about you, but here's what we saw. We have these desires. And 
These desires are meant to lead us straight past the pleasures of this world, straight into the pleasures of knowing God and being enveloped in his glory. Now, that's what we have been called into as the Christian. Now, listen, listen to this. This is what G.K. Chesterton says. He says, the man knocking on the door of a brothel is really what he's searching for is God. Meaning, meaning that this man has desires. And if he will pursue those desires until he's finally satisfied, it's going to lead him straight past the brothel, straight into the arms of Jesus Christ, because he is really what this man is searching for. So our purpose, verse 10, it says, Jesus is glorified in us. Jesus is glorified in us, meaning our purpose in this world is for people, is for us to be enveloped by his glory, but then to lead others right into being enveloped by his glory. So we are the prisoners that have been set free to be enveloped by his glory, to go and pursue the pleasure of knowing him, but then we're called at the same time to go and point people to him so that they might pursue the pleasures of knowing him as well. The task of pointing the man in the brothel beyond the brothel, beyond pleasures that he cannot find at the brothel, pleasures that he's really searching for. Now, don't go tell your wife or whoever that David told you to go to the brothel today because that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that you have the key to unlock the door for your friends, your family, your neighbors, your coworkers. You have the key to unlock the door into the pleasures of knowing God. The key has been given to you. Just open the door. Do you know... People, we always point people to what we think is most glorious. Did you know that's what we do? So let's say you found the cure of cancer. If you found the cure for cancer, would you just hide it up in a box and not tell anybody? No, you'd tell everybody about it because it's the cure for cancer. And what, what, what the cure of cancer is, is it's more glorious than cancer itself. To be more glorious than something is to move something. It's to dominate something. It's to do whatever you want with whatever else it is because you are more glorious than that thing. So a big, huge wave. If you're at the beach, a big, huge wave is coming in. It is likely more glorious than you are. And so it is going to knock you around and it's going to do what it wants to you. But if there's a big rock in front of the wave and the rock remains unmoved, then the rock is more glorious than the wave. The cure for cancer is more glorious than cancer because the cure does to cancer what it wants. It moves it. It dominates it. If we had the cure for it, we would tell everybody about it because it's more glorious. Or think about it like this. If you see something that's beautiful, you are in a sense dominated by what is beautiful. You are moved by it. You are moved to look at it. And then what do you do when you see something beautiful is you point others to look at that beauty because we're always pointing people to what we think is glorious, whether it's a cure, whether it's a beauty, whether it's whatever else, something that's glorious, we always point people to. 
point the man in the brothel to something that's far more glorious than what the brothel holds. If you have been, like if you really truly, if you really truly have been enveloped by his glory, then you can't help but tell others about it. And you see it as a joy and a privilege and an honor because you have this great glory that you can share with others. And, and so we're in this prison. He can rescue you. Why? Because he is more glorious than whatever is in the prison. He's more glorious. So he moves it. He has the power to move sin out of your way because he's more glorious enough to do it. He moves death out of the way because he's more glorious than it. So all of this being said, the question now is, what stalls us from telling people this news? Why are we putting it up in this little box? Well, one, perhaps we don't really think he is that glorious. Or two, maybe we say, ah, this person's a lost cause. Now, if you say this person is a lost cause, you don't really think God is glory, glorious enough. Because to say someone is a lost cause is to misunderstand Christ. Because if he really is that glorious, then that means he can move whatever stands between him and you. Whatever stands between him and that person. If you say about someone they're too far gone to come to Christ, then you have just doubted his glory. We are all equally miraculous that we have come to him. This is, we are all miracles in turning to him. Our depravity has caused us to run and to run and to run. And the fact that a Christian has turned around is because of his glory moving us to turn. Nothing in us. If we think that we are less of a miracle than the guy in the brothel, then we have completely misunderstood the glory of God. We are exactly the same as that man knocking on the door of the brothel or the woman providing services at the brothel. We are just seeking pleasures in other ways, but equally lost without him. Now, okay, so you say, okay, now you say, okay, well, I am. I'm trying to point people to God. I'm trying to point people to Jesus. I am trying to do it, but I can't seem to move them to him. What do I do? I'm trying to do this, but I can't seem to move them to him. Well, there's your problem. You're trying to move them to him. You have yet to find the power in mission, the power in the adventure. Okay, to understand the power and the adventure, we've got to look back at verse 2 where we looked at last week. And here's what it says in verse 2. It says that he has authority over all flesh. And what does that mean? He's got authority over all flesh. Well, here's what flesh is. Flesh is about sin. Flesh is about death. Flesh is about all the repercussions that come because of sin and death. And he has authority over it. So that means he is glorious enough to move sin and death. Here's what that means. He is the power in mission, not us. Him. And over and over and over again, we make it about us. 
Your job, if you're a Christian, your job is simply to remain faithful to the calling he has placed upon you. And that calling is simply to the point to the one who's glorious enough to move sin and death. There is not a square inch over all of creation that he does not declare himself king over one day. The king is at work and we simply join him as he moves sin and death. And then listen, we move sin and death by pointing people to the one who moves sin and death. And do you know this? He has authority right now over where you live, over where you work. He has authority over the skills that you have today that have brought you to the point to where you are in life. And he has authority over your friendships. Listen to what I'm saying here. That means he has carried you along right where he wants you to be right now, even in this moment. He has carried you here. And your neighbors are not your neighbors by accident. Your coworkers are not your coworkers by accident. Your family is not your family by accident. The fact that you are part of the grove, you did not choose the grove. God has brought you here. The question is, in all of this, will we be faithful to what God has called us to do on this adventure? He's already bringing us to where we are. Now he just says, be faithful in pointing people to me, the one who moves sin and death. He has gone, he's gone before you. He's gone before you in your workplace. He's gone before you in your neighborhoods. He's gone before you and prepared chains to be broken. And he's gone before you, and he's been whispering into the souls of the people in your life, preparing them for the words that you speak about him. The axe that breaks the chains of sin and death has been given to you, so let's just get to work. If we just open our eyes to him who's gone before us, to the authority that has gone before us, who is moving and shaking heaven and earth, and then calling us simply to be faithful to what he's called us to do. See, ah, Christians, we are really good at standing at the door of our home and hearing about all the things God wants us to do on this great adventure. And we open up the door and we look out and we say, man, look at all that stuff God wants me to do. Oh, it could have been a good day. And then we shut the door. We do this over and over. We're refusing to go out on this call. We're refusing to go out on this adventure. Imagine the people in heaven one day who are going to be so happy that you were faithful to the calling, that you opened up the door, and you didn't just look out at all the things that God wants you to do. You just didn't just study all the things that God wanted you to do. You went out and did the things God wanted you to do. See, much of our problem is we know this with our mind. We're opening the door. We're looking at it all. In our mind, we see what God's called us to do, but we don't leave the door. Why? 
question. What will drive you to step into the adventure, into the mission? What will push you out that front door? If you will see what I'm about to tell you, you won't be able to stay behind that door. If you see what I'm about to tell you, when you go out on this adventure and you're walking along the road, whatever God has called you to do, and you feel like, I just want to go turn back, if you recall what I'm about to tell you, it will catapult you right back into the adventure. And here's what you've got to know. While you were set apart for something great, he too has been set apart. He has been consecrated for something. He has a great mission that he has been set apart for. What is that great mission? It is you. He has been set apart for you, consecrated for you, given a mission to come and rescue you. See, in order to be rescued from the prison of sin and death, He has to come into it, and he has to be confined to it. And sin and death, it requires payment for your freedom. And the payment that purchases your freedom, it is him. It is his life. There is a great cost for him to purchase you. It cost him everything, and he gladly did it. He set himself aside to do it. It was a joy for him to do it, even though it cost him anything, because in the end, he gets you. And it's only when you see that he left the comfort of his own home And he was set aside to himself to go into this adventure to come and buy your freedom. It's only then that you're going to be compelled into the adventure. He's called you to rob brothels. But you will never do it until you see that you first were in the brothel of sin and death. And you have sold yourself over to lesser pleasures. And you, and you have bought these lesser pleasures over and over and over again. So much so that they owned you because it was a prison. This brothel was a prison that you could not escape. And so he comes and purchases you and purchases your freedom. So that you might walk into these eternal pleasures of knowing God. Heaven is only filled with ex-prostitutes and those who have bought them. Lesser pleasures have imprisoned all of us. He rescues us from them and gives us the pleasures we are made to have. Him. A rescuer. And then we become enveloped in His glory. There's no 
greater news to tell people than this. There's nothing more glorious than this. Even the cure of cancer, it's just a temporary thing. We're talking about eternal things here. The eternal glory of God being enveloped in it that is powerful enough to move sin and death. Let's not hide it anymore. We've been given the axe. Let's get to work. And we've got to remind ourselves of this truth or else we cower away or else we chase after comfort instead of going to him as the ultimate comfort. And, and one of the best ways for us to remind ourselves is by communion. You know, you know what communion is? Communion is a story being acted out. And it is the story of God purchasing us in Christ. The great payment is being displayed. And then here's what happens when we take part in communion. We're saying that story, that story is about him rescuing me. We are writing ourselves into this story when we take part in communion. So I want to pray for us. We're going to take communion and I want to pray for us that Right now, God and his spirit would move us to be enveloped by his glory, to see how he has purchased us from the prison. Let me pray. God, we pray that your glory would resonate in the halls of our hearts now. That whatever distractions have held us, we pray, God, that you would move them because you're glorious enough to do that and that you would move the veil so that we could see you and your glory. And so we would bow not to the king of comfort, not to the pleasures of this world, but to you, the king of creation, who gives us all of the pleasure we could ever long for and want. God, we pray that your spirit, as we take communion, that we would see ourselves written into this story. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.